0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right. My name's uh, Bill, and I am a uh, recovered sexaholic. Hi, Bill.
1: Hi, Bill. Hi,
0: Bill. I'd like to welcome you to this weekend retreat. We're going to be going through uh, the uh, 12 steps over uh, the next... Uh, uh, a couple of days, we'll do the first seven steps this weekend, and then on the next weekend, we'll we'll uh, finish with uh, through step 12. Um, I'd like to suggest that we uh, open this uh, meeting with a moment of silence and uh, the Serenity Prayer. Serenity prayer. God, God, grant, God me grant me the serenity, the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will be
1: done.
0: Okay. Um, first of all, I'd just like to, to share briefly uh, uh, a little bit about myself, and then we'll we'll move into the work. Um, Uh, I uh, remember uh, just within the past week, I I made the point that uh, uh, the people in this fellowship do not love you in spite of your shortcomings. Uh, The reason the people in this fellowship love you is precisely because of your shortcomings. If I uh, uh, were sitting here and gave you all of the list of uh, uh, professional courses that I'd had in the evaluation and treatment of addiction... Uh, but, but I never, uh, uh, had to seek my own personal recovery. You might find the inf- information interesting, uh, but it would not, uh, it would not carry the same weight as the fact that I am indeed a, 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 a uh, sexaholic of the hopeless variety whose only hope is the growth and maintenance of a spiritual experience. Um, and, uh, and it is precisely because I've experienced the uh, the hopelessness and desperation uh, that that I assume most of you came through the door of your first meeting uh, carrying with you that uh, that that we're here together uh, tonight. Uh, uh, very very briefly, uh, because I, I I I don't intend to, to carry on much of a drunk log because everybody here knows how to. Uh, turn Your Life to Crap Through the Pursuit of Lust. And what we're here to talk about is recovery. Um, but I grew up in a, a, a home that was uh, uh, riddled with uh, with alcoholism, drug addiction, and sexual addiction for as far back as we can, can, can trace, after which you begin to start getting myth and legend about, uh, you know, great-grandpa so-and-so. Uh, but uh, the... The the, the the way that it worked in our family was that uh, that that between the the drug addiction or the alcoholism or the sexual addiction, you pursued the addiction until it began to affect your health and then you recognized that you were dying and you just continued to follow it until you died um, my uh, m- Both my mother's parents died of complications of alcoholism. Both my parents died of complications of alcoholism. Uh, At the age of 29, uh, my uh, baby sister uh, had dropped down to below 90 pounds as a result of her alcoholism, and we did an intervention. Uh, That was in 1988, and she got sober, and she's the first member of our family who ever recovered from addiction instead of dying from it. And as a result of the uh, uh, intervention... Uh, some, of, some of my issues uh, uh, were, uh, came, came to my attention. And so I started attending uh, 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 Al-Anon meetings for adult children and alcoholics because that was not my fault. I was the victim there. They had done this to me. And, uh, and so I could safely sit in those meetings for, for the better part of a year until uh, finally it became clear to me that, uh, that I was not only the child of an alcoholic, I was a full-blown alcoholic as well. Um, the sexaholism, um, I uh, found my father stashed pornography when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Before that, I had seen a, uh, a particularly lurid uh, cover on what they used to call men's magazines, uh, back in the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, 50s and 60s. And, uh, and, uh, and the one that got my attention, if I were a good enough artist, I could replicate that, uh, that picture, uh, uh 50 years later. Okay. It burned itself into my consciousness. It changed the way I feel as I felt as I stood there staring at it. And I knew that, that, as soon as I could, I was going to start collect. I was going to start getting some of it, this for myself. Um, I discovered my father's uh, stash, which by today's standards was very, uh, would be very, considered very tame, but it was Playboy, Esquire, things like that. And uh, um, my father had uh, two wine boxes full of these magazines. Now, I would, would submit to you that if you're not Powerless, you probably don't have two boxes of pornography, okay? Um, but 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 for whatever reason, he could not stand to throw these magazines away after he'd read them. Now I don't understand why he would feel that way, but uh, most normal people, you know, they read their Playboy and they may keep it a month or two and then they throw it away because next issue's come. But uh, but that started uh, somewhere around the age of uh, the the, the uh, of of uh, ten or eleven, and it, it progressed, um, and it progressed with uh, uh, progressively more deviant uh, uh, pornography, um, and um, uh, my my uh, modus operandi was to find vulnerable girls whose generally uh, uh, daughters of, of alcoholics or, or violent men. Uh, and, and, and these were very damaged girls. And, and, and my exploitation looked to them like the type of relationship that they expected between a, a male and a female. And I, I, I used them for my own sexual gratification with absolutely no concern for what was in their best interest. Um, when I, when I went to, to treatment some 40 years later, they, they, uh, not only told me that I was a, a sex addict, they pointed out that I was a sexual predator because that does meet the definition. And the sad part was, is like, as with anything, the, the disease progresses and the boundaries progress and my, my uh, the, 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 what brought me to, uh, to the, the point of, uh, pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization uh, suicidal depression was that i was about to start uh uh preying on uh on on uh, uh women that were under my professional care and and in tennessee that's a felony it'll it'll not only cause you to lose your license it can get you in the penitentiary if the da decides that he can get more votes in the next election by putting someone in prison and um and 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 i knew that and i knew that that didn't matter i knew that that threat would not stop me from uh taking the next step and i knew that the only way to keep from ending up on the front page of the newspaper or going to prison was to kill myself and i i wasn't yet out of options because i had a 357 and a 12 gauge and and so there were two options right there and, uh, and I was trying to decide which one. And fortunately, um, uh, some, some uh, uh, friends in recovery uh, who were also um, uh, physicians intervened and, and offered that I could either go to a, 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 a hospital uh, where, I could, where they could uh, address my sexual addiction or I could go to the state hospital where I would be held for observation for 72 hours. And they didn't think that I would be able to get it turned around in just 72 hours, and I might be at the state hospital for a long time. And if you've ever seen or heard of the movie "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest," that—that's the state of mental health, mental health treatment in in Tennessee. And uh, so suddenly, uh, voluntarily accepting commitment to a psychiatric hospital seemed like an excellent idea. Uh, and uh, and I did, and and uh, uh, fortunately, uh, I I. I got started on the path of, of recovery from my sexual addiction, um, uh, at that, at that time. And, and that was, uh, that was back in, uh, uh, December of 93, um, and January of 1994. Um, I got to spend Christmas and New Year's in, uh, in a psychiatric hospital on, uh, on suicide precautions, uh, that's a that's a bad enough bottom for me okay now i know there's people who go to prison i know there's people who who in fact um in in nashville just within the last few months we had two more people commit suicide um and and i know how close i came to being one of those so so my point is that even though i didn't have to go to prison i didn't lose my uh license i didn't you know, a lot of things that have happened to other people didn't happen to me. It got as bad as it had to be for me to say, "This has got to stop." And uh, and 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 one of my friends uh, suggested that uh, as he was sitting on the uh, sitting in the bathroom, uh, drinking gin and reading science fiction uh at not unshaved and un unshowered for about 3 days when a couple of his friends came and knocked on his front door that was that was his thought that this this has got to stop and he refers to that as step 0 um and 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 uh and and until that happens it doesn't matter because see until I'm until I say this has got to stop it doesn't matter whether I'm powerless okay as long I, I was powerless, I knew I was powerless long before I knew this had to stop. Okay, because it was still working for me. It was only when it stopped working that I was ready to start uh, start the recovery. Uh, I heard somebody else say that your bottom is when your uh, life is falling apart faster than you can lower your standards. And uh, <laughs> and and and. Uh, and and I know I know I'm, when I can when I look back at at, at, at how many how many uh, goals and, and, and opportunities I sacrificed to my addiction I just just willingly surrendered I said you know if I if I pursue this I'm not going to be able to continue uh, 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 you know uh, drinking drugging and, and acting out uh, indiscriminately with vulnerable women. Um, Okay, I'm just not gonna. I'm I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna try to do that. You know, um, and and that's really sad. But it it is the it is the reality. Um, fortunately, uh, after after I got out of the nut house in '94, I was still very very depressed. Um, and they told me um, that um, um, if I uh, if I if I when I got out if I didn't go home and find one of the guys in recovery that had been sober for a while and was happy about it that I would probably die. And uh, I'd gone to treatment. I was married. And I uh, asked them if if they thought there was any hope for me to be able to have a healthy, uh, intimate relationship with with my wife, because uh, as I'd come to understand just how much. My, uh, my 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 uh, predatory activities affected and were part of of of, uh, of my selection of my uh, my now former wife. Um, I just didn't know if there was any hope whatsoever. And and uh, the uh, counselor who uh, had a had a master's in uh, in psychology uh, said that she wanted to talk to the treatment team before she answered the question and uh that's where everybody all all the doctors psychologists psychiatrists and uh the next day or so i asked her what they'd said and they and uh, understand this is this this was pat Karn's program at this point they this is the program that has the greatest database on sexual addiction of any place in the world and the response was we can't give you an answer we don't have enough information on people like you we don't see that many people like you come to treatment here. Most of them go to prison. Now, that is a really ringing endorsement for what type of future I can expect. Um, but I was, I, I was sitting in a meeting. Uh, uh, well, okay, let me back up. When I went home, a guy that I'd asked an essay uh, to be my sponsor, I was trying to work through the steps. And when we got to the fourth step and I started talking with him, uh, it was clear to me from his re- reaction to what I was saying that he had had no clue whatsoever about how to work the steps the way they're laid out in the literature. And I was terrified because I understood that the only hope for me to not die a bitter sexaholic death was to work the steps and recover. And the man that had been uh, been, been sober for several years in the fellowship in nashville didn't know how to take me through the work and um, and i didn't know what i was going to do except die and uh, i was sitting in a meeting uh one day and the way that um that rick tells the story is that he sat down next to me because he was feeling particularly good that day and i looked like i wasn't um he said he said that when he first uh, moved to Nashville, he got sober in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That he was really disappointed because because people in Nashville uh, just seemed to have some sort of Namby-Pamby problem with drinking, and he had had never seen anybody that understand understood the terror and rage that he had until he heard me share in a meeting. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it's, it's typical here, here in recovery that as soon as somebody says something that just shocks Everybody in the room, I heard one guy say uh, at an alcoholic meeting said, said, uh, you know, my name's uh, Kyle and I drink Listerine. And three people went up because they wanted to work with this guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the the worse you are when you show up, the better you look to us. <laughs> and so, uh, so, so, uh, so, uh, uh, Rick and I started working together and, uh, somewhere, uh, I don't remember, probably six and seven. I told him that story about what they told me about uh my prognosis and he said, Oh, that's fine and good. He says, but I, but I guarantee if you'll do the work that's laid out in this in this book, you can have any relationship you want. Now, Rick had no uh had no uh he, he has a college education. Uh, he has no uh, training in psychology. His qualifications to be in uh, recovery is that he drank away a multi-million-dollar insurance company. Um, but he he told me that if I would do the work, that I could have whatever I I, I wanted, and uh, and uh, and it, it turned out that he was right. Today, I'm married to a uh, to a really wonderful woman. Some of the men in the room have had an opportunity to meet her. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, you know, that's that is, is only as a result of, uh, of my recovery. Um, the, um, the twelve and twelve, um, on page fifteen, um, uh, and, and, uh, um, I, I know this uh, This is one of the places where I, I know it from memory because, because I, I, it's my experience that, that AA's uh, 12 Steps, which happened, by the way, to be SA's 12 Steps, are a group of principles spiritual in their nature which if practiced as a way of life can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. And, uh, and my experience is that as a result of 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 living according to principles that I've learned in recovery that the obsession with lust has been expelled and I want I want to be be very clear here I am not telling you that I never drive along the highway and see a billboard with an image or or whatever that That doesn't catch my eye and cause me to cause me to to have to make a surrender right there, okay? Um, And 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 in our society, I will be confronted either with images or or uh, and and it may be images on 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 the television, um, uh, or uh, women who who dress in a provocative fashion where I have to make the surrender. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But but if if you if you are planning to spend this weekend, then then you probably understand what I'm talking about. The obsession that upon awakening you're either thinking about how you're going to act out today or you're thinking about how you're going to try to manipulate the day so that you don't have to act out. And and the and that's the obsession. Okay, I don't struggle with that anymore. Uh, we have an old timer in Nashville. Some of you may have heard of uh, Harvey. Uh, I came in in September, got out of the nut house in January, and in that spring in March, uh, Harvey celebrated his tenth anniversary, which which just was mind blowing to me at that at that point in my. I hesitate to call it recovery, but I was starting. Um, and I remember sometime uh, in 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 the first year or so that I heard Harvey talking about being lust free for an entire day, and I knew he was lying because nobody wakes up, no sexaholic wakes up uh, and goes through an entire day, and at the end of the day, doing the review, realizes that he hasn't had. To deal with lust all day long, that he's truly been lust free for an entire day, that just can't happen. And then one day it happened to me. I'd love to tell you that's every day. That would be a lie. Okay, but 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 it it is when it when I when I realize it's happened, I'm grateful. When I realize that I've had a uh, a challenge somewhere during the day, uh, I'm grateful because. Uh, of two things, one I've been reminded that I'm still a sexaholic, absolutely dependent upon uh, God's grace and mercy, and the other is that I'm still sober, and that the, that that the power of the program of Sexaholics Anonymous has worked again in my life just as well as it did uh, 17 years ago, 18 years ago, almost uh, in in. Uh, when I was just trying to, to find some way out of the hopelessness. Um, the, uh, um, in, in chapter 5 of the big books, Alcoholics Anonymous, the, uh, the title of the chapter is How It Works. And, um, and that's adapted in the back of the white book. It's actually on page uh, uh, 206. Um, and, and there's a, a couple of changes, but the, the point that I want to make, and this is verbatim from, from the big book, are here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Um, sitting around meetings is not a program of recovery. In fact, I can tell you, don't drink, don't act out and go to meetings. That's what got me to that nuthouse. Okay? Everything that I was that I was trying to medicate with my addictions was still going on in my life and I'd given up my last crutch when I when I stopped acting out sexually because I'd already given up the, the booze and drugs a few years before and I gotta tell you, that is no way to live. Or for for a sexolic of my type, that is no way to live. Um So, so don't drink and go to meetings. That is not a program of recovery. Okay? Call your sponsor. That's not a program of recovery. Uh, Get busy in service work. That's not a program of recovery. In fact, uh, one of the people who committed suicide had been active in service. He just hadn't done any recovery. Um, Taking the steps... And living the steps as a way of life expels the obsession and allows me to live happily and usefully whole. And if I'm not happy, if I if I'd been unhappy, if I'd been as unhappy as I was in 1994 from that day till this, you'd have to have a different speaker here this evening, because I just could not have stood it. So the the program though that I do like uh, is. Um, don't drink, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps, have a spiritual experience, and share freely of what you find with others. Now, that's a hell of a program. As far as I can tell, it's worked for me wonderfully well for the last 18 years. Harvey assures me that it will, it will, that it will work equally as well for 27 years. And there's some uh, other people a little further down the road, and the point is that that uh, that it just that that it do, there doesn't seem to have to be an end to it, and um, and, and these people who have been uh, and by the way uh, over after the January uh, conference at Newark, um, I I went to a place and met a man who had been sexually sober for 45 years as a result of, of the, the 12 steps and practicing the principles as a way of life. He is not, he is sober by our definition. He's not a member of sexaholics anonymous because when he got sober, there was no sexaholics anonymous. He and Roy have had uh, some fairly extensive conversations, uh, before Roy's passing. And, uh, and, and they, they, they agreed on all of the principles, uh, that, that are in the white book, uh, it's just that, that because he got sober in a, in a fellowship and recovery community other than Sex Holics Anonymous, he didn't decide to, 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 leave his, his recovery community, uh, to join ours, uh, when we got started. But, um, but, but actually I said I met, met one. I got to have extensive conversation with one guy and I met a second guy who had been his sponsor when he came in who'd been sober 47 years. Now, the likelihood of me living another twenty years at my age is is not that great, which which the implication to me is, well, I'd be happy to live a long, long time. But the implication is that this program will last for as long as I'm likely to live. Now, I like that, okay. And some of you young guys, you could be one of the first people to to have sixty years of of uh, of continuous sexual sobriety and share with some. Uh, uh, new snot nose who walks in and says says well I'm just not sure about this you can say well you know it's worked for me for 60 years and if you live that much longer it will probably work that long for you and uh, and that's probably not a bad message to carry okay uh, now I've been talking a lot about the, the, the big book which doesn't seem to cause as much controversy uh, in essay as it once did but uh, once upon a time uh, uh, I, was, I was told that we only use, uh, we only use conference-approved literature in uh, essay. And for your information, the big book and the 12 and 12 are conference-approved literature in essay. But it's not just that a group of uh, perverts got together in a back room and decided that this would be a good idea. Uh, on page 77 of the White Book... Uh, how It Works, The Practical Reality. It says this title is adapted from Chapter 5 of Alcoholics Anonymous, entitled How It Works. The books Alcoholics Anonymous and Twelve Steps and Traditions, also known as the Twelve and Twelve, constitute the basic text of the original twelve-step program. This section in the white book is not intended to be a comprehensive exposition of the steps. So, if you want a comprehensive exposition of the steps, where does the White Book direct you? To the Big Book of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, that's why we are uh, we're we're going to be uh, uh, focusing on the 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 Big Book as as the guide of how we work the steps. We will be referring to the White Book for for certain parts of it because. Uh, what the white book does is it tells those of us whose addiction does not require a trip to the liquor store, does not require pouring anything into a glass drawing it up in a syringe or laying it out on a on a mirror to snort I can get drunk sitting right here without taking any observable action and I can get just incredibly intoxicated by lust just sitting here. And uh, and 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 I got news for you. Alcoholics who are not sexholics they don't understand that. Okay? Any more than non-alcoholics understand the alcoholic. If you don't have the addiction, if you're not if you're not a compulsive gambler, you just don't understand the fun of sitting in front of a one-armed bandit uh, uh, doing bodily functions in diapers so you don't have to get up into and go to the restroom for 18 hours at a whack. Okay? You just don't understand that, right? If you're not a compulsive gambler. They don't understand sitting in your underwear in a cold room looking at the internet for 18 hours, maybe getting up to go to the bathroom and maybe not. Okay? And what the white book does is it tells people of our addictive problem how to apply the 12 steps to recover from an illness that we have that is similar to, but not identical to, the, the disease of alcoholism. And we're going to look at the similarities and the differences as we go through this. Um. Okay. Um, in, the, uh, in the big book, um, uh, the forward to the first edition, um, and uh, if you're using the fourth edition, that will be on uh, Roman numeral uh, 13. Uh, in fact, I tell you what, let's just start at the very beginning. Uh, if you have um, the book Alcoholics Anonymous and you've got a fourth edition... Uh, the title page says, Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. These, hun- these thousands of men and women are not recovering from alcoholism. They have recovered. Now, there is a concept worth consideration. And uh, that could possibly be a, uh, uh, a typo except in uh, the foreword to the first edition on Roman numeral 13. It says, uh, this is the foreword as it appeared in the first printing of the first edition in 1939. And I quote, We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. So apparently they're going to tell you how you can become recovered, and they're going to tell you precisely, okay? They're going to, they're going to have other uh, other examples of specific directions and so forth. So this is not just some sort of theoretical, maybe this will work. This is what we did. This is what, what works. So uh, at this point, um, uh, 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 I want to look at the first step. And uh, the first step for Alcoholics Anonymous is uh, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable. And of course, for us, we admitted that we were powerless over lust that our lives had become unmanageable. And would you mind to read about uh, lust, please? By the way, this is on page forty of the White Book. If you want to follow.
1: Tom Tom. Tom. Sexolic? Lust. Why in step one do we say we are powerless over lust instead of sex? Is not some form of sex what we are addicted to? Yes, we answer, but our problem is not simply sex. Just as compulsive overeating, the problem is not simply food. Eating and sex are natural functions. The real problem in both of these addictions seems to be what we call lust, an attitude demanding that a natural instinct serve unnatural desires. When we try to use food or sex to reduce isolation, loneliness, insecurity, fear, tension, or to cover our emotions, make us feel alive, help us escape, to satisfy our God hunger, we create an unnatural appetite that misuses and abuses the natural instinct. It is not only more intense than the natural, but becomes something totally different. Eating and sex enter a different dimension. They possess an unnatural spiritual component. The addiction is thus to lust and not merely to the substance or physical act. Lust, the attitude itself, becomes the controlling factor in the addiction. This may be why people exhibit lust in more than one area. Often those of us addicted to substances or forms of behavior discover we're also addicted to negative attitudes and emotions. I remember that when I came off lust, alcohol, and tranquilizers, resentment burst forth like a dammed-up volcano. I remember thinking that controlling lust must be like trying to control a piece of jello You press in here and it bulges out there. Or like trying to rout a gopher. You plug up one tunnel only to have the beast go to work in another. People may not be allergic to food and sex, in the sense some people are allergic to pollen, strawberries, or cats. But we do become allergic to lust for food and sex. Misusing the natural instinct of sex for an unnatural end over and over again, increasingly sensitizes us to the triggers of that association until a simple thought or look elicits the compulsion. For a sexaholic, lust is toxic. That is why in recovery, the real problem is spiritual and not merely physical. This is why change of attitude is so crucial.
0: Thank you very much. Okay. Um, now, in case you uh, you you think that, that we're all that different from uh, alcoholics, um with lust, lust being a problem, I want you to uh, know that on page sixty-four it says our liquor was but a symptom. We had to get down to causes and conditions. Um, so, so uh, what we're going to look at here is this this allergy uh, to uh, allergy to lust um, in the in uh, in the uh, Uh, section entitled The uh, Doctor's Opinion, which starts on, uh, and by the way, the the page numbers I'm giving are are for the fourth edition. If you have a third edition, uh, there'll be a couple of pages off. Uh, But on page 25, Roman numeral, uh, it talks about how uh, uh, they asked a well-known doctor, the chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in in alcohol and drug addiction who wrote this letter the doctor uh, in question here he signs his name uh, William D. Silkworth uh, treated uh, uh, a conservative estimate as over 10,000 alcoholics uh, in the course of his career and it may have been many more than that uh, uh, this, this guy was, was a true friend of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous in the early days uh, before before it became an accepted national institution. And he did this at great personal professional risk because, uh, in those days for a doctor to say that medicine does not have a solution, but spirituality does, was about as close to professional misconduct as you could come without losing your license. It certainly would cost you the, uh, the respect, uh, and admiration of your peers. Uh, and that's just the way that that the medical profession is when you when you show a new way to treat a disease that saves millions of lives, uh, your colleagues generally uh, respond by trying to run you out of town. Uh, they started this with Eric Semmelweis back in the 1700s and and they continued it right up through the 1990s when somebody told how to how to cure peptic ulcer disease without surgery so uh, I'd love to say that 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 things have, have improved in that profession, but they haven't. Um, now, uh, uh, over in, over here, uh, so so that his first letter is fairly brief. But what I what I like is look over on page twenty six. Uh, his concluding uh, comment was. Uh, is that uh, these men uh, may well have a remedy for thousands of, of, of such situations? Other alcoholics, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Uh, that's that's my area of expertise. My expertise is my experience. Okay, uh, if if you if you are foolish enough to act on any stock tips I may give you, you deserve the bankruptcy that's sure to follow. Okay, uh, if you want to dis- discuss politics, I have a great deal of opinions and precious little uh, factual basis on which to uh, uh, to uh, base that. So, so, uh, but but when it comes to my experience and my recover, my addiction and my recovery, um, that's that's my area of expertise and that's what I have to share. And that, as we will learn later, will be your greatest asset as you go forward from here. But notice that Silkworth said you rely only on what they say about themselves. Uh, then uh, in, the, in, in, in the next paragraph it points out that what uh what Silkworth uh did was confirm what the alcoholics already knew that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind and uh, that any picture which leaves out the phys- physical factor is incomplete. Uh, so, so we're going to look at this uh, physical factor uh, as, uh, as we go forward. Um, understand, by the way, that this was written in 1939. I want you to think of how many pieces of medical writing from 1939 would be considered as accurate today as they were when they were written in 1939. Uh, so, in over on the next page of uh, 27, it talks about uh, how um, uh, the uh, the the doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, and then he goes on to say that that. That knowing that and, and and being able to apply it uh, were two different things, and that that they really nobody had really had any good results with uh, alcoholics, uh, with with treating and curing alcoholics. Uh, and then he talks about in the next couple of paragraphs about uh, about Bill's spiritual experience and how uh, the 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 people who have accepted uh, his suggestions. Um, have, have seemed to recover. And then I like this comment, uh, at near the bottom of the page. They believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. And, uh, so over on the next page, he's going to start describing alcoholism as he understands it. And he, he, uh, he states that he, su- that he believes and suggested that the acts of alcohol on chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. And that, uh, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class of alcoholics and never occurs in average tempered drinkers. That would be a non-alcoholic. That, that, that people who are allergic to alcohol can never safely use it in any form. And that, 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 uh, that once they develop the habit and can't break it, they start having problems. And I like this. Pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Anybody have any problem of pile up on you that seemed uh, astonishingly difficult to solve? Okay. Now at the bottom of this page, uh, he, he describes what, what I, uh, 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 describe as the, the the hopeless alcoholic cycle. And uh, he starts off talking about men and women uh, drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. He's talking about alcoholic men and women here, okay? Not normal men and women. Because it's, it, 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 in the very next uh, two sentences, he makes the point that the sensation is so elusive that they know that it's injurious, but that after a while, they cannot differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. These are the people he's talking about. Chronic alcoholics who, for whom the alcoholic life seems like the only way to live can you identify with living a lie that seems to you the only possible way for you to live. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see other people uh, taking with impunity. Do you, do you identify with restless, irritable, discontented, coming out of your skin, suicidal, homicidal, uh, just generally antisocial, but something has got to stop the way I feel right now, no matter what the consequences. I can't stand this another minute. I've got to have some relief. Is there any part of what I just said that, that somebody says, no, that's not me? Okay. Okay. And and see, if you were an alcoholic, if you were an alcoholic, and I, I promise you this as an alcoholic, taking a few quick drinks, and for me it was somewhere between the, the second and third ounce of the Jack Daniels whiskey, or or between the, the second beer and the bottom of the third, that the magic occurred, and this isn't so bad. This is going to be okay. She can leave. I didn't need that job anyway. Screw them. They'll get their money when they get their money. And I was okay. Now, the problems hadn't changed, but I was okay. Okay? And, you know, lucky me, if there was no booze around, a little sexual fantasy followed by sexual acting out with or without a partner... And in the, at the moment when 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 the, 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 the lust and the fantasy and everything began working, I had the relief and 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 the lack of money, the loss of it, it just it, it wasn't it was I was okay for now. The problem was in the next sentence that once I succumb to the desire, the phenomenon of craving develops and I pass through the well known stages of a spree. Emerging remorseful. Does this sound familiar? You know, I, I don't. I don't. You know, I, I suspect everybody in here not only has has engaged in some sort of sexual behavior that you that you didn't that, that disgusted you. Okay, maybe with a partner who disgusted you. You know, you know. Maybe activity that violated some of your deepest-held values, but but all of this I, I, all of this I will I will surrender for that sense of relief because the alternative is the way that I was feeling somebody's going to die. And if you're going to do murder suicide, it's very important that you get the sequencing correct. <laughs> Uh, So we go through the well-known stages of a spree. We emerge remorseful with a firm resolution. I'm not doing this again. Unfortunately, I do it again because shortly after uh, the hangover, I'm restless, irritable, and discontented again. I've got to have some relief, and this is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a simple, Few simple rules. Okay, so so Silkworth has identified the problem that when we're not drinking, we're restless, irritable, and discontented, and when we do drink, we have a, a, an allergy that's manifested by craving that leads to a spree. And at the bottom of the page, and continuing to the next page, he talks about people who have everything going their way and they take a drink a day or two prior to the date, the phenomenon of craving at once becomes paramount to all other interests so that the important appointment was not met. They were not drinking to escape, they were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. How many of you guys acted out when your life was in absolute shambles? Mm-hmm. How many of you acted out when everything was going wonderfully well and you couldn't see a cloud on the horizon, okay? And once you do, once you once you start it, how many here miss some important meeting or other event in their life because of their sexual acting out? Okay? And how many of you actually were physically present and not there because you were in your head somewhere else, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, so 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 far is this guy telling our story. Just substitute lust for alcohol and here we are. And then then here's the other point. And this is a this is is it. There are many situations which arrive out of the phenomenon of craving which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. What did he just say? Yes. Suicide. Okay? Um and and if you haven't had one here recently, um, your your fellowship is getting large enough now that you will. Okay, that that's the sad reality because this is a fatal disease. And uh, and and the good news is that while we have a solution, the bad news is that not everybody is going to be willing to accept it. Okay. Now, here's, here's why Dr. Shilkworth had such a miserable uh, success rate. Down at the bottom of, of this page, uh, Roman numeral 30, it says, all these, all these people he's describing and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. Normal people want to have sex. They have sex, and they don't want to have sex for a while. Okay? Now, that's just the reality. Normal drinkers have one or two drinks, maybe on New Year's Eve, a couple more than that. Maybe on New Year's morning they get up with a little bit of a a headache, and they don't think, well, I'm going to start drinking like that right now. Again, okay? Sexaholics in the middle of a spree have had more sex in the last few hours than somebody else normally has in a month and they want more because of a phenomenon of craving. And the reality is what you don't want is more sex. What you want is to stay, to avoid returning to the terrible feeling that you had before you started the spree. Okay? And this craving has taken you off. And here's the point. This allergy has never been, by any treatment with which we are familiar, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence, and that relieves the craving, but it doesn't do anything for living the rest of your life restless, irritable, and discontented. That was Silkworth's solution. That was the treatment that he had to offer the thousands of alcoholics who came through his treatment center before Bill Wilson made it. And guess what? Most of them did not stay sober because living dry for an alcoholic is at least as bad, maybe even more frightening than dying a bitter alcoholic death. And I'm here to testify to that. If there was no solution to the way I felt in 1994, I would not have hung around. I would have gone back out. Now, I would have gone back out and I would have found some new combination of, of, of sexual perversion, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever, that, that probably would have killed me long ago. But if, it, if that were the alternative... To living the way I was feeling every day when I woke up in 1994, uh, after getting out of the hospital, and in 1993 before going to the hospital, I don't care. I can't. I could not have. I couldn't stand it much longer. Um, and then he goes on to say, "What is the solution?" And he talks about. Um, uh, in the middle of page thirty-one, it's just one paragraph. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. That's the solution, and we're going to look to see what is the uh, the plan outlined in this book. Um, I uh, also want just want to make a uh, uh, a quick. Uh, 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 comment that as we go through as we go through this, I hope you will look at the similarities rather than trying to pick at the differences. Um, I recommend that my sponsees read Bill's story. We're not going to do that this weekend. Um, and 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 uh, and I have I have. Uh, 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 He's 23 years old now. A 23-year-old sponsee who's been sober for four years now. And uh, when he read this, he would have been, I guess, about 19. That would be about right. And and this guy is a sexaholic who doesn't drink alcohol, and he was able to identify with a 40-year-old alcoholic stockbroker from the 1930s. Okay. I'm not sure his dad was born <coughs> <laughs> when 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 Bill was getting sober. So uh, so so the point is that if we look for the similarities, they tend to to, to jump out at us. Okay, um, we're going to go through some more uh, to 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 hit home on the uh, on the the first step, and the first the first uh, I'm going to pick a couple of things. Uh, out of uh, out of Bill's story, we're not going to go through all of it. On page six, uh, after an effort to uh, to get sober, and he uh, came home drunk. On page six, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brace, my brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity is there anybody here who doesn't identify with this remorse horror hopelessness you know, just i can't you know i can't i can't even fight it anymore and uh, an impending calamity i like that uh then uh, he uh he ends up going back to the the uh, hospital and uh